We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome in to another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson. And joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. And dude, I don't know about you, but we were kind of talking about this before we went live. It's really hard to get a gauge on what this team is actually looking like based on just the the leaks of information, the videos and stuff like that, that we used to be able to get from credentialed press attendants at training camp. So hard to kind of decipher what's really going on. But I'm having fun trying to figure out what this Broncos team is going to look like, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, yeah, I mean, with Sean Payton came a bunch of changes to the rules about what, you know, the reporters can tweet out and everything. There's limits on that and all that stuff, which makes it a little bit harder to get information when you're not there. Um, but fortunately, there are still plenty of fans who are showing up, and a lot of them are tweeting out information that's circulating through. Um, so that's a good way to get it. And then, of course, there's, you know, being able to talk to people behind the scenes and mm-hmm. uh, get some information from them about what's been going on in practice. But I'm excited. There's been a lot of good and a lot of bad coming out of practice. Yep. And, of course, a common theme is, you know, all this worry about training camp practices. Well, some of it, some of the worry is a little bit more than it, there needs to be. But after a week of practices, especially with certain things, there is some reason for some worry, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight, um, primarily with the offensive line, but with everything. Some of these issues that you're seeing by now, so you're st- still seeing at this point in training camp, it's starting to cause that concern. Of course, preseason games starting next week. Um, if it's still going then, then the concern just grows even more. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of next week in the preseason game, a little programming note, not sure exactly what's going to happen with DVDD next Friday with the game being at, uh, I believe, 7 o'clock Mountain Time. So um, we're not sure. We or, Excuse me, 8 o'clock Mountain Time. So hey. we'll... Yeah, we'll we'll uh we'll we'll see. We we probably will try to go live at six, like our normal time is. But it, with it being that quick turnaround to going into the game, and then uh, the follow up podcast after the fact, not sure exactly what's going to happen uh, going forward right now. But we'll keep everybody posted. Follow at dvdd underscore pod. Also myself at 
Lance S underscore MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle and also at Mile High Huddle for updates on that. We'll keep everybody posted and let everybody know if we're going to do a show or not. But as Eric was just saying, you know, there's there's a lot to like. There's a especially with the defensive side of the football, and there's a lot to really be cautious of, especially on the offensive side of the football, and especially regarding this offensive line. We're going to break down as much as we possibly can and stuff that we've gleaned from people that are at camp, um, stuff that we've heard from behind the scenes and stuff like that, and really kind of break down as much as we possibly can here tonight for you on a wonderful Friday evening. Before we get into that, guys, want to say hello to everybody here in the chat. We've got Savage Boy Kev over on Twitch. What's up, buddy? David Yunkin in the house early. Uh, Daniel Berry, Sports Highlights. Uh, I've think I've seen her name in here before. If not, welcome in. Thank you for joining us. We definitely appreciate you and your support. Chase Wellner as well. Kevin Gray. And before we get started, we got to give a shout out to our boy Troy out there with a $10 super chat saying, Hey guys, I'm not worried. Have a great show. This came in before the show got started. So thank you, Troy, for your continued support. We definitely appreciate you again. We got Dylan Von Arks in the chat, uh, running everything in no Scott tonight. So it's just us too. So if you guys could just bear with us as we kind of work our way through the text line in the, in the, uh, in the chat room, we definitely appreciate that. Thank you all for joining us here on Dell Valley deep divers. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Now, Eric, Let's start off with the positive stuff. Like, quite honestly, one of the biggest issues that I had in terms of going into this training camp was the edge group. You know, you have Randy Gregory with the injury concerns. Baron Browning still coming off of uh, arthroscopic knee surgery. His status is in question going into the season. Uh, Frank Clark was brought in uh, in the middle of July. Uh, Baron Browning, uh, Nick Benito, you've got Jonathan Cooper, who were both developmental guys, and we really needed to see a big step forward. But on the positive side of things, those two in particular, and Benito and Jonathan Cooper, have really showed out to open up this training camp. Man, specifically to Jonathan Cooper, what have you been hearing, and what has he shown out there on the practice field? Well, I mean, both of them, they're both doing quite well getting after the quarterback. Nick Benito has been a little bit more of a stud there than Jonathan Cooper. But Jonathan Cooper has had his fair share of shots at the quarterback. Um, I mean, and it's main topic of tonight's the struggles of the offensive line. Like, they are eating up these tackles. I mean, they have gone up against both Garrett Bowles, Mike McGlinchey, and both of them have had their wins of that. What separate, what for me, what the big difference is, Nick Benito, he had a pretty good day from what I hear today as, you know, setting the edge against the run. But Jonathan Cooper has been pretty darn consistent throughout camp so far, setting the run, holding his own. And he started to show improvements there last year, so that's a positive sign. And it's great to hear that Nick Benito's doing quite well. I mean, you and I, we were both pretty down on the draft pick, but he's starting to show he's starting to show a little bit more. My concern there is, and it's the same concern that I have with Jonathan Cooper, is can they carry it over into the preseason games mm -hmm. where the offensive line isn't limited on the contact yeah. of what they can do and everything like that? And they're not going against their teammates. Um, that is a that's a huge thing for me. Can they carry it over? Because last year, I mean, Nick Benito last year in training camp, he wasn't getting this much praise, but he still was getting a good amount of praise for how well he was looking as a as a pass rusher, and then disappeared in the games. They got to be able to carry it over, and that's going to be a common theme for everybody that we talk about. Can they carry over what they're doing in practices into games, or can they flip it around if they're doing poorly and show more in games? Because the games are obviously the more important factor of the whole preseason and, you know, training camp and all that. 
Yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. And I want to kind of expand on Nick Benito here. I've heard a lot of glowing reviews from multiple people that I trust in the media, guys like Ryan Edwards, um, Zach Seegers, our good buddy, um, uh, guys like uh, George uh, George Tarui from uh, Pro Football Focus had a, a little bit on Nick Benito the other day. Um, uh, guys like Brandon Cristal, just the, the the main guys we typically like to talk about here. Uh, they've all had a lot of glowing reviews. And the one big thing that we've seen going, I mean, even from guys like Mark Schlereth, Orlando Franklin over at 104.3 The Fan, uh, they've all talked about Nick Benito's ability and his growth as a pass rusher in terms of stringing pass rush moves together and not just being focused on that speed and bend that he used to have in, at Oklahoma. He's really starting to understand some of these subtle nuances. And going into the concerns of the offensive line, Benito actually tagged Mike McGlinchey the other day on an up and under kind of a inside spin move that really got the $87.5 million man at the right tackle position put on skates and uh, Benito was was able to eventually end up with a sack on that particular player. It would have been a sack in a game. So to me, that's that's a big development for Nick Benito. Is that something that you're that you're hearing as well? And what do you think about that as his potential in this rotation moving forward? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, obviously he's going to get a boost. I mean, that third spot's open right now because Baron Browning and his injury that he's dealing with, that's going to cause him to miss a little bit of time um, come regular season. So that third spot is opening and he's got to show the biggest thing for him is like, we knew he had the athleticism and the quickness to get it, be a pass rusher, but he needed to show the technique and he's starting to show a little bit more um, precision with his technique. I mean, that move that you talked about from what I heard, like it was pretty technically clean, um, which is, such a great thing you know you can be the athlete all you want in college but in the nfl you got to have that technique with it so it's a good sign for him that he's getting the technique down and improving to you know help himself and the natural traits that he has as a pass rusher and make himself even more dangerous as a pass rusher mm -hmm. yeah absolutely now let's flip over to the offensive side of the football and this is really the the, the big topic of the night today, and I, I I know I wanted to start with the positives here, but we got to, to flip to the negative side of things. This first team offensive line, specifically at the tackle position, has been eaten alive by these guys showing out on the edge positions. Uh, Garrett Bowles has been tagged repeatedly over and over and over. It has been super leaky as a pass protector. And again, Mike McGlinchey has had his struggles as well, man. This is, is it time to really start concerning about the offensive line. I know we're only a week into, into game or into, into camp. Haven't seen him on a game yet. And 
practices like you like you kind of mentioned are a little bit limited for offensive linemen and what they're able to do in terms of their physicality and getting their hands on and really being a forceful present up on the uh, up in the trenches so is it time to start worrying a little bit about this first string offensive line or do we need to kind of pump the brakes just a little bit here well, I mean, after a week, yeah, I mean, there's a reason for some slight concern about the offensive line, and not just because of like, oh, the depth guys are struggling, but the two projected starters are struggling. Garrett Bowles and Mike McGlinchey both have been getting beat pretty consistently from everybody I've talked to and everybody, everything I've seen on Twitter. Um, one person, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, floated the idea of maybe Garrett Bowles shouldn't be starting this season. Like, that is a cause for concern. Now, on the flip side of that, training camp practices, even when they're padded, there is a limit limit on, you know, the contact that the offensive lineman can do. So that does hurt them. Practices are always slated more towards the defensive side of the ball than they are the offensive side of the ball, um, especially when you're installing a new offense, whereas the defense is pretty much doing a lot of the same thing that they did last year, despite, you know, the coaching change. Mm-hmm. So there, that's why it's only a slight concern. If it was the same coaching staff, the same scheme, and you spend all this money on the offensive line, then yeah, there, there'd be a little bit more concern now. But next week is going to be a big test. Can the offensive linemen come out and hold their own um, when you know there's no um, leash on them for the amount of contact they could do? Um, where they have yet another week of having the offense installed on them. And part of what's hurting them too is that there has been a rotation. Garrett Bowles recovering. He's been held out of practice, pulled out of practice. Mike McGlinchey wasn't there for the first few days of practice. So they haven't had time yet to really fully build chemistry yet together as well. So yeah, there's a reason for concern, but only slight concern at the time. A week from now, we'll see if that concern needs to grow even more. Yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. I want to jump into the chat really fast here. We got a Facebook user. I believe that this is Ernie uh, saying, hello, Lance and Eric go and, and Scott. Go Broncos country only. Uh, another one from another Facebook user. I'm hoping this is Ernie as well. If not, we do apologize for not being able to see your name on our side of the screen here. But thank you for joining us. Uh, Russell's best day at camp, NBC, uh, MVP season coming up. Uh, probably not. I've heard some conflicting reports about Russell Wilson in terms of him looking okay out there and then others saying that he had a a terrible day again out there um obviously thrown six or seven interceptions in practice to this point we'll get into that here in just a minute as well um another one here no facebook stars available should be up everything should be up and running and again sorry for not being able to see your name on our end here but uh, thank you for joining the show regardless uh keep trying those stars if you'd like to do that we would definitely appreciate it um Let's go back to the offensive line and specifically with what you had mentioned just quickly there, the install process with, with the Broncos and with Sean Payton coming into this, into this new coaching regime. One of the things that you saw with OTAs and mini camp and stuff like that back in April and in May and in June, um, they, they weren't really, they did some light install stuff. But for the most part, a lot of that was strength and conditioning and, and everything like that. Uh, I guess we got Keith Brugman jumping in here. Per many pressers, the offense is still on the basic installs. The defense is possibly elite and way ahead of the offense. And this is what I was kind of trying to get into here. On the offensive side of the football, they weren't really even in team. You're, you're talking they haven't really done much of the install process going through the regular part of the offseason, OTAs, minicamps, stuff like that, you know, so – focusing on strength and conditioning for the most part on that they really are in the basic install off uh, part of this offense and what does that specifically mean to you eric and why is that such a big factor and why this offensive line is is kind of struggling to open up camp 
Well, I mean, because the biggest thing is, is that it's about knowing what every player knowing what they're supposed to be doing on the play call. So it's them trying them have like learning what all the play calls are, their responsibility in it. They're still learning and getting all that stuff put together. I mean, new language, new verbiage, all that stuff. And they've got to learn that and remember that. So it makes things more difficult when you're coming in and you've only done very little of that up until this up to this point. And now you're going against a defense that has very little changes. From what I gather, like not even much of the verbiage on the defensive side of the ball has changed a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Like Sean Payton didn't want to change what they what they were doing. Um, so the defense is extremely far ahead with that, which again, that's what I was saying when about the concern with the offensive line. It's still very limited. And not only that, again, chemistry is a big deal. Um, as David Youngkin comes in and says, and on that, with that is you have two new starting offensive linemen. You have a guy who missed the last half of the season last year yep. and a guy who was in and out of the starting lineup last year and another guy who missed almost all of the season last year. Yep. So essentially you're looking at five offensive linemen that have hardly played together over the last or not played at all over the last season that they're all starting to work and put it all together and getting that comfort with each other as well as learning what the responsibility is. Oh, yep. are we doubling? Well, Every person doubles a little bit differently. Their, their technique comes out a little bit differently. Um, so all this stuff just goes together. So like, and it just goes beyond the offensive line as well. Like um, timing with the receivers that's down. That could be a big reason for some of Russell Wilson's interceptions. Some of the timing is off. I mean, some of it is, you know, um, I mean, just so many things to it. So the offense being behind and in installs understandable up to this point. Um and even like that's why even after the first game, it's still a little, all right. Um, gotta gotta start cleaning it up at that point. But the first preseason game is not the end all be all. Um, I did an article talking about one of the players at the Bron for the Broncos practices that had been looking really good. And one of the things that said, and you'll hear it a lot during the season too. It's not about how you start; it's about how you finish. Mm -hmm. um, so, despite all the issues with the offense, despite the slight concern that I have over it, there are a lot of reasons as to why they're that why they are struggling as much as they are. We got yeah. a couple of super chats coming in that we're going to get to real quick. It says Jacob Hutton with a $9.99 reverse wedding present got hitched yesterday. Congratulations, man. Congratulations, Congratulations. man. Good for you. Um, hashtag go Broncos. Hashtag no, no high like mile high. Hashtag honeymoon. Man, congratulations. I hope you and your new bride have a wonderful, happy marriage. Um, super happy for you. Um, again, congratulations and our yeah. best wishes. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to Jacob. And this is the first time I'm seeing your name in our chat. So thank you for joining us and hopefully you enjoy the show. Congratulations again. I know that one of the best decisions I ever made in my life was to get married to my wonderful uh, bride, Samantha, and, and and our kids and everything. And like Eric said, you know, a, a very uh, prosperous and happy marriage to you and your new bride. So congratulations once again. And thank you again for joining the show. Uh, we got and RD in want, the house. Go, real quick, go ahead, go before ahead. we get to RD, I want to grab this comment from Keith Brugman as the last kind of little bit on the offensive line for now, it says Miner said it best. They're working on hands and feet and aren't as worried about the overall success of the play. The basics, the question will be how much we can install by game one. And yeah, I mean, that was a big issue last year. I mean, I heard a lot of people um, from a lot of people about the coaching last year on the offensive line and how, for lack of a better way to put it, like perverse the coaching was on it. Just mm -hmm. like teaching techniques that are pretty basic offensive line techniques and doing it really wrong and how much that messed with some of the guys on the roster, as well as what went into their decision-making as to who played and who didn't just so much coming from the coaching from last year that 
they're basically trying to tear all down and redo like yep. especially for somebody as young as quinn miners like yep. last year he was entering his second year coming from a small school that amount of damage that can be done in such a short time with that kind of with the coaching that was going on you have to rebuild it so yeah proper technique with the hands proper feet um, footwork proper foot movement you know proper movement in general that's all the basic stuff that to build a great offensive line everyone has to have down as well as the chemistry going back to that a little bit so yeah, miners said it best that's perfect way to put it as to what they're what's going on there and then rd with the five dollar donation coming from canada have you seen or heard how tight ends are blocking any improvement for dulcich or albert O? so the the one thing i want to go back to what you were just talking about with miners and, and how they're working specifically on the basis and then we'll uh we'll jump into this tight end comment because there's some some things that i've seen um from zach seekers and ryan edwards specifically uh going to the offensive line and why they're struggling and going to the basics Eric and I kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago going into training camp, the, the very first practice, uh, you know, with with what you're looking for in training camp, especially in this install period, is you're, you're you are focusing on a little bit of that technique, the technical aspect of things. But it's understanding, like understanding what your assignment is supposed to be. We're teaching the assignment. We're teaching how we're supposed to work in that assignment and also how our hands and feet are supposed to tie together where we're supposed to place our head specifically uh, on certain plays. If we're running outside zone, you want your head to be on the outside shoulder with your backside hand on the inside, uh, the inside of the the backside shoulder of the defensive lineman pushing across their body. Like there's specific details that are actually finally getting taught to this offensive line. And it's going to take some time. Like Eric said, you know, the, the, the previous coaching staff really did a poor job of teaching those techniques. So they're really focused on the assignment itself, understanding what that technique is, and then trying to apply it into an actual real game setting while not being in real games. It's going to take a little bit of time to get everything going. In terms of the tight end stuff and RD's question here, and thank you, RD, for the super chat. We appreciate your support, buddy. Uh, uh, going to the tight ends and how they are blocking. One of the big things that I've seen uh, and. Zach Seegers has done a great job of, you know, live tweeting everything as much as he possibly can at camps. One of the best ways that I, with my new Twitter account, have been able to follow along with what's actually going on out there. One of the first things that he always tweets out is Greg Dulcich is one of the first guys out on the field, and he is constantly working on his hand placement and his blocking technique on the blocking sled before practice, specifically that particular aspect of his game. Albert Okwebenon, from what I understand, I haven't heard much about him as a blocker, but what I have heard is they have him split out wide a lot more. They're using that athleticism in his big body, specifically in the slot and uh, and kind of more on the outside of things. They're not putting him in line, at least to my recollection of what I've been able to glean from this. Eric, have you heard anything about that? And do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I mean, Keith Rubin comes in saying with how he'd rank him. Man hurts Dulcich, Trotman, Alberto. Dulcich needs to continue to improve because he had a slow start. Trotman hasn't been as good as expected. Um, the ranking there, that pretty much goes in line with what I have heard. Like Chris Manhurst has been as expected as a blocker mm -hmm. um, and as expected as a receiver. Like the expectation wasn't there for him. Greg Dulcich has shown improvement in both aspects of it. Still not great as a blocker. Still needs to show more there and continue to improve there and still, you know, improving as a receiver. Trotman has been has been good. I mean, he's made plays as a receiver. He's shown up well as a as a blocker. And then there seems to be a huge, huge gap before Alberto. Um, have heard constant struggles as a blocker, issues with his routes, the basic understanding of what routes he's being asked to run for each play. A lot of issues there that make me question how well 
or if there is a place on this roster for him. Something I have doubted for, you know, months, basically. What? Now, Phil McLaughlin Wait. comes in and says, Good evening, Lance and Eric. Something wrong with Facebook connection. Phil McLaughlin here. LOL. Anyway, I'm happy to see Cooper stepping up. Also, opinions on um, Ajiaki. I don't know how to say the last name. Um, and real quick, I don't have any opinions on him. I don't know anything about him. Um, one of the few players, well, one of many players that I wasn't able to watch or anything. And I've been super busy and haven't been able to check out anything from college of him yet. So I, I read up a scouting report on him. I believe it was on Pro Football Network. Um, the, the big overall assessment that I got from him is he's a, a lighter guy, 225 pounds, but this dude can fly around the field. He is incredibly athletic, uses his athleticism to put in the right positions, um, was able to play decently in coverage, got his hands on some footballs. Um, and I believe that uh, in minicamp, when he worked out, he really impressed some of the coaches. So uh, I don't have a big opinion on him right now, but I'll relay at least what I have read on him. And like Eric, I haven't got an opportunity to go and really check out his tape. That'll probably be something that I do the beginning of next week. This weekend, I got we got some pretty big plans. Going to go see my parents for the first time since pretty much October. So uh, excited about that. Stu, Zeus, McPeak jumping in here as well. $10 super chat. Hi, all. Well, hello, Stu. Welcome in, and thank you for joining us again. It's great to always have your continued support here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Long time no see, and thank you, man. Come in, come back in and give us a question. We'll be more than happy to answer that for you. Now, um, where were we at on in terms of – so last we were talking about was like the install specifically, the offensive line, um, this defense and everything like that. I want to kind of go a little bit into um, th this passing offense. I know we wanted to, we wanted to try to kind of avoid the uh, the Russell Wilson conversation, but we had a comment earlier and talking about the, the interceptions that uh, he has thrown. And one of the things that I've noticed and something that has been reported widely from multiple different people here is the interceptions I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with. There are some things to kind of glean from that, the bigger mistakes throwing into triple coverages and stuff like that. But the big one that I, that I want your opinion on, and I want you to kind of expand on this is the tipped passes at the line of scrimmage. It seems that there are at least one, if not two from Russell Wilson, every single practice coming into date. And he had another one today in the two minute move, the move the ball period uh, at the end of practice, uh, had a ball that was batted down. Uh, was it Jonathan Harris or Jonathan Cooper? One of the two batted the ball up into the air at the line of scrimmage. It was intercepted by Randy Gregory and then returned for a touchdown in a two minute situation that would have potent that would have actually ended the game at that particular point. So to me, Eric, the interceptions, while they are a problem, I think that there's still some learning to go from there. The tipped passes at the line of scrimmage, why is that such a big issue moving forward? Well, I mean, even the interceptions are a little bit of a concern. And it's not that he's throwing a lot of interceptions. It's how they're coming. Mm -hmm. It's misreads. It's the throwing into three defenders. Like, even though you're still installing, you know, the offense, those are still things the quarterback shouldn't be doing. So th those are concerning. Obviously, we got to see how that carries over into games. See, see if things can get cleaned up a little bit. And there's a lot to it that we we don't know what what's being asked of them and everything like that. So, from an outside stance, it is a little bit concerning. But the tip passes, that is just typical. That is a low release point that makes it a little bit easier for the for the defensive line to get their hands on the ball, tip it up, and then starts the tip drill. Um, so, and it is. I mean, Russell Wilson with the sight, he's always going to have a little bit of a lower um, release point, um, which makes it easier. But for the most part, he's done pretty well with um, keeping the batted passes down a little bit on the lower side of it, 
but this camp, I mean, this is that was what today was interception number three that came off came off a tip pass, mm-hmm. um, or se- second or third, anyways. It, it's a concern, but again, it's can we see it change up in games? And my part of my question too is if he's losing sight of the guys in front of him. I can't think of the actual terminology here or anything like that, but it's like a thing of like you have something in front of your face that's just a few feet away, but you kind of don't see it because you're focused on something beyond it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm kind of wondering if that's happening. Like he's so focused in on getting the ball to the receiver that he's just kind of like zoning, not necessarily zoning up, but like feeding out what's going on in front of him a little bit. Um, so all things to keep an eye out for. Um, we do have a question here about David from David York and about how are the running backs doing? Um, doing great. I mean, Jamel, Jalil McLaughlin, he's at the bottom of the depth chart from everything I've heard. Um, the biggest, he's got plenty of speed, but the biggest issue is he's so easy to bring down. Um, and they're just looking for a little bit more fight after with the ball in his hands that he's just not able to show. Um, Tyler Beatty seems to have a pretty big hold on the third running back spot. Um, the other day when Javante Williams was out, Tyler Beatty was a number two running back. Um, Mm -hmm. so it seems Tyler Beatty is the guy who is, uh, you know, set to be that he's had some good runs he's had some good plays there um has been able to show off his explosive ability a little bit um haven't heard anything about tony jones um p ryan looks like a great fit for what sean payton wants to do and of course sean um javante williams is just you know um on his way to being a medical marvel with how quickly he's coming back because now it sounds like he's gonna be ready at the start of camp like I yeah. questioned if he would be, and like all signs are pointing to him being ready to go right at the start yeah. of the season. Sorry. Yeah, and and Sean Payton actually did address this the other day, uh, saying that Javante Williams is going to play in preseason games. They're probably going to wait until preseason week two uh, to get him out there onto the field, but he should be ready to take snaps in in preseason games, which to me is just crazy. And uh, Eric and I have said it multiple times. We didn't think that he was going to be ready at least until week four or five, but if he's able to go, even in this preseason action where they're, they're willing to put him out there, they're, that means that they're excited about his potential possibility of playing in week one, maybe even starting that game, which means that I'm going to have to change my Twitter handle to Javante Williams fan underscore one. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it, I, hopefully I can actually do that now that Twitter is X. It'll never be X to me. Uh, I've got to figure out the the nuances and, and stuff like that. It's so stupid. Just be done with it. Call it Twitter and just be done. But uh, I'm going to have to figure out what I got to do to change my, my Twitter handle. But uh, the, the one big thing um, that I have noticed is that Samaj P. Ryan looks really, really good in this offense. His vision is showing, his 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 strength is showing, uh, his power is showing. He's catching the football well out of the backfield. A lot of the stuff that he did at Cincinnati is translating over to this, this uh, Sean Payton and Broncos offense, and I've heard a lot of very good things about him. Obviously, the Jaleel McLaughlin stuff is, is, is cool as well. Um, probably a practice squad guy, from what I understand, but I mean, he's at least showing that he belongs at the NFL level. And that's a very good sign for this Broncos team. Um, there was another comment, uh, Patrick Wilty jumping in here. This is one I was looking for. Patrick is um, a very good friend of the Mile High Huddle community. Uh, first time on our show, at least from what I understand. But I did get a chance to link up with him the other day while I was working with Carl. So, Patrick, thank you for joining us. Uh, he says, Aloha, uh divers which side looks better at this point offense or defense and it's very clearly been the defensive side of the football very very clearly this secondary is getting their hands on a lot of footballs and like we opened up the beginning of the show 
this pass rush actually looks to be pretty lethal. The edge rushers are winning consistently. Zach Allen has been one of the stars of training camp, if not the best player on the field from multiple different accounts in terms of being a disruptor in the pass rushing, in terms of being a player that is holding up in the run defense. This dude is amazing, and the Broncos have seemingly found a quality replacement, if not even a better player than what they had in Draymond Jones. Now, I want your opinions before we get here to Heath. Um, Eric, have you heard specifically anything about Zach Allen that would that would contradict what I just put out there about him being the best player on the field in, in training camp? Um, no, I mean he's just been a pretty uh, pretty dominant. Like that, that's about that's about it. Yeah. Uh, Heath jumping in here. Is it fair to say that in training camp, we shouldn't care about overall plays or overall wins on the day. Every player is focusing on very specific steps of growth in their game. And Heath, you're, you're absolutely correct on this. I, I, it is absolutely fair to say that you shouldn't, I don't necessarily want to say shouldn't care about it, but you should take everything that you're hearing with a grain of salt. You never know what what people are out there trying to spin their narrative. You don't know exactly what's there without being there to see it, without having video evidence or even being there to see it in person. You don't know exactly what's going on out there. So you got to take everything with a grain of salt. These guys are trying to learn and they're trying to grow with a new coaching staff, a new scheme. Eric, do you have anything else on that? No, I mean, like you care about the plays a little bit, um, but for the most part, it's just about what the individual players are doing on that play. Mm -hmm um are they getting whipped badly what's their technique like and how consistent is it are they consistently winning are they consistently losing stuff like that and it all just goes back to the technique of it as well um k hop comes in any concern about the depth or at least injuries to the depth of the cornerback room um yes i mean there's been a lot of praise obviously patrick stan he's great a lot of praise for damari mathis um seems from everything i've talked or everyone i've talked to quan williams is you know, being Quan Williams, but the depth about it has been a little bit concerning. Um, the one cornerback whose name escapes me now at the moment, um, the East Carolina guy entering year two, McMillan, uh, Jaquan McMillan, Jaquan McMillan. Yes, he's been looking pretty good out there. Um, from everything I've talked to, is that he's been looking a little bit better than the song Bossy. Uh, but that could be a situation of the level of competition they're playing against, the injury and. Surgery that he had to Riley Moss is obviously a concern as well because that was a piece that they are missing into uh, in their cornerback room as well. Wait, um, so Fayon Hicks hold, has been looking pretty good as well. Hold on yes. just a second. It, uh, injury and surgery to Riley Moss. I missed that information. So could you yep. enlighten me, please? He it was a core injury and he ended up having uh, surgery on it. Um, he had a really? core muscle okay. repair, and uh, kind of like a sports hernia, he's going to be out four weeks. Really? I did not see that. So the last that I had heard was that he was uh, suffering from an illness and was unable to to um, go and practice the last couple of days. So that's that's a new piece of information to me that I missed today. So thank you for the uh, That was two that. days ago. That was I, – I haven't been able – I have <laughs> missed that apparently. So th to give you some inside baseball here with the, with the work that I do – uh, personally, um, I, I travel a lot, um, especially on Wednesdays. So two days ago would be Wednesday. If I missed that update on Wednesday, then I missed it completely. Um, so I do apologize for that. Uh, th that's, a, that's a concern to me. Uh, I was really looking forward to seeing what Riley Moss was able to do here. Uh, going through a, a, a core muscle surgery repair, four weeks, not that a huge deal, but as a rookie, you, 
you need as much time as you possibly can. So that's a, that's a concern, at least to me. Uh, I, I do apologize for interrupting you. Go ahead and finish that stuff that you had there for the rest of the cornerback room. We'll grab Michael in a second. I mean, fan Hicks has been looking fine and it seems to be like, they're really trying to figure out who that backup corner. I hasn't haven't I haven't heard a lot about Draymond Smith. Um, so backup nickel corner specifically is such a concern. Backup boundary with Riley Moss hurt and recovering from surgery. That is a concern as well. Michael Ronquillo comes in. Good evening, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and Buckham. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. Um, week in, week out, man. We appreciate it. William Cantalano, he comes in. If anyone thinks that the offense is going to put out, go out there and put up 30 in a game, the first three to four weeks don't understand what's happening right now. Um, I don't think anybody realistically thinks that they're going to go put up 30 a game. No. 20 a game? Like, that should be where the expectation is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, Sean Payton, obviously, you're going to be a run-heavy offense. You've got a good defense. The expectation should be at least 20 a game. Um, that's where I'm at. And the fact that you're still doing basic installs a week after training camp has started, slightly concerning, but mm-hmm. preseason games is going to be, you know, is going to be huge for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also adds, I'm not trying to be a jerk or um, be a wet blanket, just trying to keep expectations to normal. Perfectly understand. And I actually agree with you. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, like sometimes ex- expectations can get out there um, and get really high. You know, the optimism, the fan optimism, being a fanatic, it just comes out of you and everything like that. So it leads to some of those um, expectations that are a little bit high. Yeah. Um, I want to grab this one here from K-Hop. Um, he asked it a little bit earlier, talking about punt returner. Um, do we have a solidified punt returner yet? I heard that everyone is underwhelming. Uh, the answer is no. Uh, I, so our, our good friend Carl Dumler was actually at camp today, and he did ca- give kind of an update um, on what he was able to, to glean from practice today. He did say that the smoothest catcher of the football at the punt returner position was Marvin Mims, and he hopes that Mims actually does t- uh, take, away from the, uh, take away the job. Uh, uh, going into camp, um, I, I heard uh, from Zach by 104.3 The Fan that there were multiple bobbles from multiple other different players, uh, including, I believe it was Montreal Washington that, that muffed a punt. Um, so that's that doesn't look good for him. But uh, as, as far as punt returner is concerned, I have not heard anything so, solid on that. Um, Riley Dixon looks to be doing a pretty decent job punting the football, and it looks like Brett Maher is, is starting to run away with his kicker competition, or at least from multiple reports that I've seen. But uh, special teams could potentially be an issue again moving forward, and it, it, that, like we're walking down the same road every single season to you know not having solid punt returners. Um, the punting game, coverage game, seems to always be an issue for this Broncos team. Man, it's it's. It's a concern. That that one, I think, is a concern. The returner position is specifically a, a concern moving forward. Okay, so Montreal Washington, obviously, who was drafted early, or not early, but earlier than expected last year to be a returner in the NFL. Entering year two with a week of training camp, it is extremely concerning that a lot of different comp- different sites and everything like that, different Bronco pages are putting out articles of, can Montreal make Washington make it as a receiver? Because he's not doing it as a returner. Yep. Like I have seen like three or four articles from different places pop up saying that mm-hmm. um, and going into it about how much he has struggled as a punt returner um, and just fielding the ball this year to where he's got to make it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, other than that, special teams has been, you know, decent. Riley Dixon has been Riley Dixon. Thinking competition from what I've, from what I've gathered has been pretty even actually. 
Um, the other day they both went four for six. Um, mm-hmm. Brett Maher has he's got a little bit more consistency under fifty yards, but Elliot Fry has a bit, little bit of a bigger leg, but just doesn't have that consistency. So it just kind of goes with what you what type you want to go with at this point. Um, I, I think old Brett is going to end up winning it, but there I don't think a winner is even close to being decided yet there. And then returner, I mean Marvin Mims is the favorite for it. Um, of all of them, like he's had his issues, but from what I've gathered, but uh, he just seems to be one of the more um, consistent of them. Um, and then we got a couple questions about receivers since we're talking about Marvin Mims. Anyways, Harold Jean is Mims not getting wider through reps because of his hamstring recovery or does Sean want a taller slot like he's had in new Orleans? Well, from what I gather was the initial plan before Tim Patrick's injury, which really sucks was Cortland Sutton being more of a slot, Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy on the boundary, and going with that bigger slot. Now it seems to be that replacing him is that Cortland Sutton's going to go out there. And Marvin Mims is the explosive deep ball guy that they're going to bring in. He's not going to be a consistent stalwart on the in the passing game. He's going to be out there like to challenge deep after you know they establish the run, can start getting defenses to start cheating their safeties a little bit in coverage. Then Mims is going to come out. Brandon Johnson has been a big name there, filling in, stepping in for Tim Patrick. And Kendall Hinton has been getting a lot of praise as well. Um, if you want to go with the smaller slot, that's a little bit more reliable, doesn't really have the speed to be a deep threat, but can work that shorter underneath game to help open up those deep shots. So yep. those two guys seem to be the favorite for it. And I do think it is very significant about how Sean Payton called out both Marquez Callaway, who I had pegged as the fifth guy before the Tim mm-hmm. Patrick injury. Um, just wanting to see more and then little Jordan Humphrey as well, who everybody else was higher on than me. For me, it was always a guy that maybe the practice squad, not the roster, yeah. uh, but both of them, you know, they got called out and John Payton said it as like, they were with me before I'm, ex- I was expecting to see more and we need to see more from them. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely correct on that with, with Callaway and uh little Jordan Humphrey specifically, you got to see more out of those guys. Um, I want to grab this really fast. We've got Peter Middleton, our dude, who usually joins in from either Turkey or Cambodia saying first time that he's catching DVD from Singapore. This dude gets all over the world. What's up, Peter? It's good to see you in the chat. Once again, thank you for joining us, buddy. We appreciate that. Uh, Back to the wide receivers just quickly here. And I want to go, like you said, the Tim Patrick injury, you and I have not gotten a chance to talk about that. And like you said, it sucks. I, I, feel so bad for Tim Patrick because I thought that he was going to be a major player for this Broncos team, especially if he's coming back healthy from that uh, torn ACL suffered almost exactly a year prior to tearing his Achilles uh, earlier this week. It sucks not only from Tim Patrick's perspective, but also for the locker room and also for the field, uh, the play on the field in terms of the running game, because Tim Patrick's a dog out there blocking He's a monster in the in the locker room, one of the most well-respected players in the locker room. Not to say that he's not going to be in there, but he's not going to be as big of a part of the team, obviously, going through rehab and stuff like that. But going to the, to the play on the field in terms of finding that guy that can play even in the slot a little bit as like a Z receiver or even um, playing at the X on the outside, uh, going out and digging out that safety or digging out the linebacker in terms of crack blocks and stuff like that. The Broncos need another guy like that. And Cortland Sutton has shown issues and willingness to be able to do that. Who steps up in his place? Like the big thought was going to be Callaway or little Jordan Humphrey. Can can we get some love to Marvin Mims in the chat here? A dude that is a 
freaking dog out there and likes to go get physical as a blocker? Or who is it going to be that guy that you're going to have on the point of attack in the running game when they go on outside toss? Not Mims. Like, I, I just answered that. Like, I just talked about who, what they're going to do to help replace Tim Patrick. I just got, I mean, like, well, it no, wasn't going to be, it wasn't ever going to be little Jordan Humphrey. The hope was that it would be Marquez Kelly, but he's not stepping up. So Brandon Johnson's the guy, or Kendall Hinton is the guy that they're looking right. at for it. Okay. They want to see more out of Marquez Calloway. And as for the blocking aspect of it, I'm not sure how often that we were going to see, you know, multiple, like more than two receivers out there in the running game. Now it's going to be even less. Now maybe we see more three tight end sets out there to make up mm. for that loss. Or maybe right. they start throwing Greg Dulcich out there wide for a little bit to bring in that blocking aspect of it. Because none of these receivers, like maybe Marquez Galloway, if he can step up a little bit, have that natural ability to replace Tim Patrick as a blocker. You're not going right. to do it. You're not going to do it right. with the receiver. Um that, Anyways, that, was, that, was more, that was more specifically my question, so I do apologize for miswording that. Was Who's going to fill in that blocking aspect for, for Tim Patrick? So go ahead and we'll grab a K-Hop here. Um, K-Hop asking when rosters get cut down. August 29th by 4 p.m. They have to be down to the 53-man roster this year. Um, they change it so there's only one cut-down day, um, which is nice. We'll still probably see you know, a few players get cut after the second preseason game to make life a little bit easier and you know make time for – uh, more players in that third preseason game. Um, but, yeah, it's August 29th. That's the big cutdown day. Keith Brogman comes in with a pretty good question. Before training camp, there was a lot of talk about wanting to add a defensive lineman. Now a week into camp, what position would you want to target in free agency? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, defensive line, I mean, Jonathan Harris has been getting a lot of praise. Matt Henningsen's been getting a lot of praise. Tyler Lancaster, P.J. Mustafer, everybody on the defensive line has been getting a lot of praise from people that I've talked with that are there every single day. Um, they're really stepping up and showing out, um, which was great to see, especially with Uazarike and his suspension and everything. Um, so what position would I want to target in free agency? Offensive line. I have felt, as much as I felt that the Broncos needed a third, find a cemented third starter on their defensive line, they have needed to find a veteran depth piece on their interior offensive line because Kyle Fuller is the most experienced guy and he's not enough on the interior. Mm-hmm. Like no. they got to find somebody else on that interior offensive line to be bring quality depth to it because they don't have it. Yeah. So going going back to a former Broncos player still on free agent market and has been from all accounts been asking for way too much money. He just took a visit with the Minnesota Vikings earlier this week. Is Dalton Reisner still on the table? Can is that a, a potential possibility or is that bridge been burned by the Broncos uh, and this new regime in in Sean Payton and the coaching staff? Like. Can can Dalton Reisner be that guy, that veteran player that can play, you know, left guard, play right guard, potentially even move inside the center if you if you absolutely needed him to. But you, like you said, you got to get a, a veteran player. Is Reisner a guy that the Broncos have their no. eyes on? No, no. So uh, off the top of your head, I'm not going to ask you to go just crazy in depth with this. Uh, any players out there on the free agent market that you kind of have your eye on right now in terms of interior offensive line depth, or do you know anybody right now off the top of your head? I've I had a few, but the names escape me at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah, on the interior offensive line, um, I just can't think. Of, I just can't remember who their names are. Okay. Um, let's see here. Seeing if there's ben any other. Jones. Ben, ben Jones, the former center from the Tennessee Titans, I believe, is still out there. He would actually be a decent fit if I remember correctly. Um, it just it just comes down to the concussions. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the medical with him, and I just don't think the Broncos want to look that way. 
Um, Harold Jean, has anyone looked good at pass rushing from the interior defensive line? There's been, I mean, Zach Allen, like he's been an absolute monster out there from everything I've gathered. Jonathan Harris has been pretty, has been pretty good out there. Um, DJ Jones, like there's been a lot of praise from guys out there on the yeah. interior defensive line. You, um, you, you mentioned the one name that I hadn't really heard a whole lot from um, in, in DJ Jones. I, I, just being not as uh, I don't want to say not as focused. I'm, I'm always focused on Broncos football. Just not being in the loop nearly as much as I have been um, over the last couple of seasons. What have you heard from DJ Jones specifically throughout this first week of training camp? Basically, the biggest thing is he just looks more comfortable out there, and it's showing. I mean, he's not picking up a new defense. Um, it's a lot of the same stuff that they were last year. Mm-hmm. So he's just more comfortable in what he's doing and what his role is in the defense which just translates to what he's doing in practice and everything. Um, got a couple comments here about Jerry Judy. Um, K-Hop says, for a top 50 pick, I expect Judy to have at least 1,000 yards by his third year. Any less than that is kind of underwhelming. I think this year Jerry Judy breaks 1,000 yards. He got really close last year, 972 yards, I think, total last year, with missing two games or three games, whatever it was. That's extremely close to it. Um it could it could be easily be done. I just got done doing um, an article about that. It just got actually published. I had to update it because of Tim Patrick's injury. I finished it like two or three weeks ago. But it's about bold predictions for the Broncos' offensive players. Um, and Jerry Judy's prediction was just that. Um, unfortunately, some of the predictions are looking really terrible already. I mean, there's one for an offensive lineman that I'm already laughing at myself over. But with Jerry Judy, as I pull up the article real quick, um, getting down there is that I have him not just breaking a thousand. I have him breaking 1300 yards mm-hmm. this season and leading the Broncos in receiving yards where he doesn't, when he doesn't lead in, you know, catches or targets and, you know, 1300 yards, that's not actually a big thing. Last year he had multiple, he had three games under 50 yards and three games over a hundred yards. So just being, bring a little bit more consistency, averaging about 76 and a half yards per game, it can get him to that 1300. And I think that he's going to be a, pretty big focus of the passing offense that they have with how quickly he can get open and with how quick they want the cat passing game to be. Right. So I want to go a little bit deep dive into uh, the, the Sean Payton offense here and specifically regarding Jerry Judy. Um, my, my prediction for his role within this offense is something similar to what we saw with like Brandon cooks or maybe even Lance Moore working primarily out of the slot, but mostly as like a Z receiver off the line of scrimmage and working him over the middle of the field in terms of like crossing routes and, and, and dig routes and stuff like that. Uh, what do you predict for Jerry Judy and to have him have 1300 yards this season, if he, even if he doesn't lead the team in receptions, that means they're working him into open space and utilizing his speed and his ability after the catch. What do you think of Jerry Judy? role in this offense and what is that potentially going to look like moving forward slants crossers deep crossers you know anything working from about the 10 to 20 yard range where you can get him in space and let him try to do something after the catch because he's got good speed that he but it's a straight and it's he's got good straight line speed to you know take the top off a of defense but he doesn't what's well, the best way to put it is that times when he's working in a straight line he can struggle to separate. He's got to throw in that move to be able to separate. So maybe you 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 know you do a um, double move to get that get that nine route. You have him do a quick cut inside on the crosser, something like that to get separation and let him work after the catch and create those plays for him. I think that the more reliable target, um, the guy that you know they're going to look at to go secure those first downs that you that are much needed. That's going to be Cortland Cortland Sutton. 
Um, I have him just missing a thousand yard mark, the thousand yard mark in my bold prediction for, for this, but leading in catches and targets. Um, so it's just a way of working them together with what they want to, with what they want to do with their passing game. And, uh, yeah, that's just kind of what the role I see for him and letting Marvin Mims really be the true deep threat. And, you know, I mean, KJ Hamler, he has his heart condition. He's taken a break from football for now while he gets that taken care of. But the expectations is he's going to be back once that's taken once that's done and taken care of. So yeah. that says to me that they have they have something planned for him within this offense this year. Yeah, and that's unfortunate for KJ Hamler. The first the first things first, he has a heart condition, pericarditis. Um, was released from the team. It seems like Eric said is mostly procedural. At least that's what uh, Sean Payton was talking about. Does sound like they want him back here four to six weeks, maybe even eight weeks at, at the most to get him kind of cleared up and ready to go. I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, Soren Lundgren, uh, we've got a new name here in the chat. So Soren, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support here with the $5 Super Chat. Uh, saying from what I have seen, the O-line looks average at best in passing and fairly decent in the rushing game. I don't want to panic, but I am concerned. Now, Eric, you and I kind of already talked about this with the edge position really dominating Zach Allen, you know, in the pass protection and stuff like that. But we haven't really touched upon what this team looks like in terms of running the football, which is one of the biggest focuses of what Sean Payton wants to do with this offense this season, very specifically by going out and getting Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey as Maulers in the running game. I've seen a lot to really like about this running game opening up camp. What have you heard and what potentially is this offense going to look like in terms of running the football moving forward? Well, from what I've gathered is there have been issues blocking, you know, run blocking from this offensive line, but they, that is where they have been looking a little bit better at. We're getting, we're seeing a lot of big runs and we're seeing a lot of power from the running backs and explosive ability from the likes of Tyler Beatty and Jaleel McLaughlin going against the bottom of the depth chart guys um, for McLaughlin. And, it's just what you it's what you want from this. I mean, it's what Sean Payton wants. He wants his top two guys, Williams and uh, Pirine, to be the bulldozers plowing through and wearing down the defense and then opening up for the, the home run hitter type. Um, so it has been, I don't want to say positive for the run blocking from the offensive line, but that's been where there's been more praise for them. Gary Palmer comes in real quick with the $9.99 donation. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate that. It says, hi, Lance, nice. Eric, and Scott. Unfortunately, no Scott tonight. It says, no questions, just appreciation. Go Broncos and Buckham. Thank you. Um, we appreciate that, man. And then since I mentioned it, um, Diamond Rattler comes in. But now Hamler can sign any team he wants. He can. I mean, they waived him. He's taking a break from football and everything. But, for, again, from what I've gathered is that his intent is to come back to Denver once he has it taken care of, and they intend to bring him back. Yeah, uh, uh, Sean, it's just kind of like it's like a mutual agreement and an unspoken word there. Just like last year when they cut Mike Purcell and Eric Tomlinson, they turned around and signed him back to the same contract um, at the after the final countdowns after the you know the twenty four hours um, with the waiver wire and everything. So it just seems that's kind of what they they're intending to do with KJ Hamler. Yeah, and that's exactly what Sean Payton was talking about earlier uh, this week when they when they did release him, saying, you know, they've been in contact with KJ, they've been in contact with his agent. It sounds like they have a pretty good plan moving forward. They expect him to be back uh, here in just a few weeks. But probably, like I said, four to six weeks is probably the timeline we're looking at here for him to come back right around the beginning of the season, and we'll see what it looks like moving forward. Eight weeks probably at the max there. Um, there was another comment, and I want to grab it because it was a really good one, a good question. Um that 
it was it was K Hob uh, jumping back in here saying that I have both uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy getting a thousand plus yards this season. Don't clown me. Uh, not going to clown you. Uh, we actually talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Eric was actually running the show, and I did my bold predictions, and I had uh, Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy both going over a thousand yards this season. It, it's a, a bold prediction that I typically always run with going into the season, just because I have optimism for the passing game every single year. The Broncos go out there with with uh, Patrick obviously uh, tearing his Achilles a couple of days ago. That's probably not going to happen, but. I did actually do some research in the Sean Payton offense going back to his time all the way back to 2009 when they won the Super Bowl with Drew Brees throwing the football. I believe it was to Jimmy Graham and to uh, Marcus Colston is, at the time was who it was. Uh, since 2009, uh, Sean Payton offense has only featured two 1,000-yard uh, receivers uh, six total times. And a couple of those times was Jimmy Graham at the tight end position. So not to really clown on you here, but just to give you a little bit of basis of understanding what's going on here, those seasons in which those uh, those 1,000-yard receivers actually existed in the Sean Payton offense, Drew Brees threw the ball for over 670 total attempts on the season and all of them. It's not very likely that the Broncos are going to be throwing the football that much this season especially based on what Sean Payton has shown and what this offense is at least looked like through the first week or so of training camp. So not to clown on you, just to give you some statistical basis of this. I like the bull prediction here of Sutton and Judy getting over a thousand. I'm going to stick by my words and saying that it's probably, probably not going to happen, but as a bull prediction, I like it, man. And I'm, I'm right there with you. So absolutely. Thank you for that. K hop. We definitely appreciate it. Um, and then last question here, we have K hop again, any news on Alex Forsyth? And I want to talk about this since it deals with the offensive line. And we kind of skimmed over the center position a little bit. From everything I have gathered is the center position has been Lloyd Cushenberry, Alex Forsyth, and there's been no movement. Alex or Lloyd Cushenberry, he's been going against, you know, the first ring. He's a starter guy. And it's been inconsistent at best. Alex Forsyth, he's had his wins. He's had his losses going against the second and third string guys. Um, today, I guess he had a actually a great play opening up a line or opening up a hole for Jaleel McLaughlin to absolutely run through. Um, so Alex Forsyth, I mean, he's got to do more. Um, it's a thing of, like, you can't be stagnant like Lloyd Cushenberry is and win the job, but if nobody's going to push you for it, then you just get handed the job. So Alex Forsyth, Kyle Fuller, Luke Wattenberg, even, they all got to step up and show more as a center to help push Lloyd Cushenberry because the stuff with Lloyd Cushenberry hasn't been great. Yeah. Center position, still extremely concerning. Where I'm concerned actually the most about with the interior offensive line is the center position. Yeah, me too. And that was something that was one of my biggest concerns coming into the season, along with edge depth and understanding how the safety and cornerback room was going to look uh, moving forward with just the, the youth in the in the in, with the depth and everything there. So uh, concerning there, I agree with you 100 percent on Cushionberry. I want to see it in a game, see what it looks like with Cushionberry and with Alex Forsyth, especially in the running game. I think that that's a big, big factor here, obviously, with what Sean Payton wants to do. Um, I believe you you said uh, Forsyth looks better as a run blocker right now than, than Cushionberry does. So that 
yep. So that that and that makes a lot of sense. And I think that Alex Forsyth, like your bold prediction for this Broncos roster on the offense, uh, Alex Forsyth Forsyth is going to start like win the starting center job. So I'm right there with you on that. Um, with that, guys, though, we do got to get out of here. Uh, just a couple minutes left. Want to shout out everybody in the chat. First things first. We've got you know Troy Boer. Um, we we've got. Um, I, I forgot the name already. Dang it. Uh, the, the, we got GLP in there, Soren Lundgren. Uh, we've uh, a couple other people dropping some super chats and some stars donations. We can Phil McLaughlin, everybody that was on, over there on Facebook, shout out to everybody for that. We definitely appreciate your, your guys' support. K hop for the, a bunch of the great questions you brought in David Youngkin for some great comments. Harold Jean didn't get to you tonight, but we will definitely get you moving forward. Uh, Doug Tessier, a new name in the chat. Thank you for joining us. Thank you all. 118 sets of eyes, at least on the Facebook side of things, joining us tonight. So thank you all for joining us on a wonderful Friday evening for Dove Valley Deep Divers. You guys follow us on Twitter by finding me at Lance S underscore MHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. And while you guys are at it, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account where you guys find breaking news, analysis, film breakdowns, opinion articles, every training camp update that we could possibly give from you, uh, from Luke Patterson, LP, um, being out there every single day at camp. Uh, uh, Carl Dunmore was out there earlier today. All of that stuff, is you can find that at Mile High Huddle. Uh, also at milehighhuddle.com for all of the updates there as well. Um, guys, while you guys are out there on social media, no matter where you guys are at, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, uh, make sure you guys subscribe to Mile High Huddle. It's a great way to support the show. Like every every video you guys see and every article you guys see. And if you love it, please share it out to as many Broncos fans as you possibly can. Because without your guys' love and support, we couldn't do what we do best, which is cover our Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, uh, I see you looking intently something over there on your screen. You got another couple of questions you want to get to or any last words before we get out of here tonight? No, I just want to make sure everybody has a, tell everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Stay safe. Um, don't drink drive. And we hope to see you guys October 22nd. Yes. Super excited for it. Excited to get out of state and bring my brother with me, which he deserves. It'll be his birthday. So, uh, He's going to get a glimpse into my world a little bit and, you know, hopefully, you know, not be a little, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> be a little introvert. There we go. My bro my brother's extremely introverted. So yeah. going to be going to be fun seeing him completely out of his element. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if any of you guys don't want to meet us, at least show up to see my brother out of his element. That'd be hilarious. It, well, so let's let's backtrack here. Two years ago, you were pretty much out of your element as the introvert in your family as well, hanging out. Oh, I make smile. I had a group. Anxiety and my brother's worse. Oh man, yeah. This is this is going to be awesome. Uh, again, shout out to Doug. Shout out to Patrick Wiltsey, um with the. Uh, uh, Lions Brew Coffee Company out there in Oahu. Uh, I was mentioning him just a little bit earlier. Sent us a bunch of a, a little bit of care package um, it, with with some coffee coming our way. Patrick, haven't gotten it yet. Lo would love to try it. Um, and again, thank you for all of your support in that way. Uh, Kevin Gray, K Hop, Michael Ronquillo, to everybody else that joined us in the chat. Thank you all again for joining us here on a wonderful Friday for Dove Valley Deep Divers. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great weekend and as always go broncos we will see you guys same time same place next week you are listening to dove valley deep divers with eric trickle and lance sanderson